Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome back to 12 Days Pod. I'm Kara Zalaya, joined here with my co-host, partner, fiance, and the person who leaves me home alone for a couple hours at a time, Dan Takaki. I do leave you home quite a bit when I go to the store, <laughs> when I go to Target, <laughs> when I go get coffee. Our lives are thrilling. Yeah, I, I go a lot of places for a very short amount of time. Yeah, you sure do. And then you go to New York. <laughs> or other places for like full weekends and just leave me with presents and toys to play with. I do. I Similar do. energy. It's the same thing. If you're new here, this is our holiday season podcast, one that is so seasonal that it is only relevant for 12 weeks of the year, which is how long Christmas is meant to be celebrated. That's correct. We love Christmas and we love Christmas movies. So we're here to talk about some of our favorites and some of our not so favorites for no reason other than to have a good time. So... Let's get into it. Darling Daniel, what are we talking about this week? This week, to kick off Season 3, we're taking a look back at the third installment in the Home Alone franchise, Home Alone 3, starring not Macaulay Culkin, but Alex Linz as the titular Home Alone. A new Home Alone. Maybe you'll have it in your notes, but I don't know why Macaulay Culkin was not in this movie. I know why. Okay. I assume it was money. Assume it was money or he might be too old. As is tradition, Kara has not seen this movie before. So, my dear, what did you think this movie was going to be about? So I definitely confuse this film with Home Alone 4, another Mm -hmm. movie that I have not seen. Me neither. And I thought that Home Alone 4 was the one that had a new kid and that this one still had... I said Chris. I see that you wrote in our outline, Kevin, to remind (laughs) me... Oh, wait, no, there it is. Chris McAllister is back at it again. This time, he's a serial killer on the loose. Is that what I said I thought this movie was about? That is what you thought it was. You thought Kevin was going to go kill Joe Pesci. Oh, I'm, 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 I'm like a revenge mission. <laughs> now, hold on. What if Joe Pesci was Home Alone and Kevin? That's a good movie. Well, again, as I've argued time and time again, Home Alone 1 is about Boo Radley being Home Alone, the old man, old sure. man Jenkins or whatever. Sure, right. Yeah. And so this one, Chris McAllister is back at it again. He's a serial killer on the loose. For people who are a fan of the show and would love to know things about how we do things behind the scenes here, Mm -hmm. we like have a general outline because otherwise it would just be our musings and ramblings in a less coherent way. Like our first couple episodes (laughs) of our first season. (laughs) Those were gems. Those are our origin story. But uh, I'm looking right now at our outline that Dan does the bulk of and I'm realizing that I had some weird thoughts about this. Mm Mm-hmm. I wondered and I mused out loud whether Home Alone 3 was still a Christmas movie. I thought that there would be a family reunion that would be like the crux of this film. Sure. Where like all of the McAllisters were like meeting up in Chicago or Paris and then like hijinks would ensue. I assume they had snagged Joe Pesci and that he was back and he's mad because Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 were good and they were smash hits. Why not keep driving that gravy train? Right, exactly. Chris... And then Dan wrote, Ope, which is a thing I have never said once in my life. Wait, it's Kevin and his cousins and Catherine O'Hara bond together to finally put the bandits out for life. Yeah, I, I really thought that that's what would happen. Yeah. That, that they would be like, this has been going on for too long. How are we cool with this? It's like the new Winnie the Pooh horror movie that's oh, yeah. coming out, you I, know? It's upsetting. Yeah, <laughs> I won't lie. A little darker turn for the series. I thought that this film would be very pro-incarceration of the bandits, and I don't like that because hashtag no jails. Right. That the last third, and this is the only part that I got right, 
is slapstick, which I don't like. I continue to not like this formula. I don't understand why we need 30 minutes of slapstick every single movie. John Hughes knows what he likes for these movies. and But John Hughes made Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which has very limited slapstick. Yeah, but it's a different audience. Is it? Yes. Okay. I would, I would definitely say so. I would say that Ferris Bueller is for the preteen to teen demographic, and this is for child. For child? One child. For child. One singular child. For child and family. All right. Dear Dan. Yes. You have seen this film before. Yes, I had. All right. What did you remember? What is your history with this movie? Yeah. So I had seen this a couple of times. It came out in 1997. So like I saw it when I was a kid and I saw it another time probably on like ABC Family. Sure. I remember it not being good. I remember thinking it's kind of strange that Macaulay Culkin is not in this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did remember that the kid who plays... The main character. So the actor and the character's names are both Alex, which I found confusing doing my recap. But he's the kid who plays Max Keeble in Max Keeble's Big Move. Yeah. A classic Nickelodeon film. Yeah. A boy I had a crush on in the sixth grade, Max Keeble's Big Move was his favorite movie. And I stopped having a crush on him immediately after that. Yeah, that's fair. It's not a good movie. I thought he was an uncultured swine. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. None of us, not all of us can be watching Cinema Paradiso. (laughs) At age eight. I also remember there that there wasn't any of the original cast in it, which there wasn't. Like, there wasn't even, like, a cameo nope. or a reference. Like, it wasn't even, like, the same police officers. It's like the opposite of fan service is yeah. what this movie is. <laughs> just, just a fresh start. Yeah. Fresh start. And then I also remember it's Garjo was in this. She, yeah. She played, the, she played his sister. She sure is in this. Yeah. As you kept saying, pre-nose job. Pre-nose job, Scarjo. This, like, 12-year-old Scarjo. So, Dan, what happened in this movie? Because clearly I have already forgotten. What a whirlwind. Higher stakes than the first two movies, for sure, because the first two are just, like, general robbers. Yeah. But this movie starts out with a group of vaguely European bad guys on a mission from... North Korea, this is where it gets a little convoluted, to steal a microchip that can make it so no one can disable missiles from North Korea. Yeah, that seems really upsetting. Well, yeah, it's like there's like a little microchip that I guess you put on the rocket and so no one can stop the rocket, even though that's not how that's not how that works. You work for the government. I don't. So this I... is not a this is not a I work for the government. This is just that I have a vague understanding of how missiles work. <laughs> You can, Put that on LinkedIn. <laughs> I think I don't think you can disable a missile once it's been launched. Certainly not from another country. Baby, I tweet for a living. You're... <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, the idea is that this microchip is to make it so they're either untraceable missiles or something like I don't know. Late 90s technology. Sure. It's very wishy-washy. So they buy this microchip off from a U.S. defense contractor, I guess. I guess the U.S. is making this microchip for the North... I don't know. Again... This, that's not important. It's a MacGuffin. Homeland 3, microchip MacGuffin. <laughs> Name of the episode. Name of the episode. <laughs> so they have to get this microchip back to North Korea. And so they hide the microchip in a in a toy car for some reason because they're like, oh, security won't pay attention to that, which they don't because, again, it's 1997. In a classic mix-up, the grumpy old woman who lives across the street from Home Alone, whose name is Alex, takes the criminal's bag by mistake. And when she gets home, ends up giving Alex the toy car as a present for shoveling her her driveway. Also because she's like, I don't have any use for this. Right. She's not like actually nice. Then Alex gets the chicken pox the next day. The mildest case of chicken pox on earth. I've never had chicken pox. You've never had chicken pox. I don't know what the symptoms of chicken pox are other than you get dots and you're itchy. That's all I've ever deduced from 
It's it's like from, any viral from disease. TV. You also get tired. Right. Well, like, that's the thing. In every TV show, I've never seen them, like, tired or, like, exhausted or, like, spent. Because it's like a seven-year-old boy who gets chicken pox. And they're like, la, 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 I'm home alone. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the dad's like, oh, we'll bring the TV up to your room. So, because Alex gets chicken pox, he has to stay home from school. Which, by the way, it's just winter. It's 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 very... I think they say it's like, it's January 8th or like past Christmas. Oh, do they? Yeah, like I sort of remember them saying it was after. Okay. Alex's family is also much smaller than the McAllisters. It's just his parents, a brother, and a sister who is played by Scarlett Johansson. So he's staying home while his dad is, goes on a business trip and his mom works. And while he's home, he sees these bad guys trying to break into his neighbor's house during the day because it's the suburbs of Chicago and no one is home during the day. That's the rationale. Also, the, the bad guys somehow tracked to like the general location of where this car and microchip were. This happens twice during two days that he's home and he calls the police each time, you know, like he should when there's a break-in, I guess. And there's no sign of break-ins at any of these places because these are international thieves that know what they're doing. How to break in. Yeah, to these vague suburban homes with low-grade security systems. Sure. And it's, it's like a classic case of Boy Who Cried Wolf. I had some thoughts about this because I just, I feel like in no planet would a white little boy calling the police ever get old to the police who love to show up randomly. I don't know. It's pretty boring in the suburbs, I guess. (laughs) It's also like a very wealthy white suburb. Yeah. It's the same, it's like basically the same type of neighborhood that the McAllisters live in. Yeah, yeah. Like a very ritzy suburb of Chicago. Sure. And at this point, everyone's annoyed with Alex and they're like, hey, you suck. You're terrible. And it's just like his siblings being like, well, you're going to get adopted. <laughs> you're such an embarrassment. So he realizes that he's going to have to take things into his own hands to stop the bad guys. He also realizes somehow at this point that he possesses the thing that the bad guys are looking for. Yeah. It's just confusing. Yeah. He's able to figure out that he needs to take the chip out of the race car and... Store it. (laughs) Store it or protect it. Um, For national security reasons. Right. Well, that's the thing is like he does end up calling the Air Force. Yeah. He calls like an Air Force recruitment office and they're like, hey, I found this chip and it says a U.S. Air Force. I would have done that at that age. Yeah. No, no, no. But the, the Air Force recruitment officer... Very correctly was like a lot of things say Air Force on it. Oh, like a lot of true. a lot of toys say Air Force on it. He's like, okay, but like, can you just call your boss for me? And he was like, I guess. And so the Air Force recruitment officer does, and it ends up helping. You know, I will say this is a, a quasi accurate representation of the police and military in many ways because often you will read articles that it's like yeah a child literally discovered something and the military was like nah and then they were like hmm they're like hold on i mean it's shown throughout the movie also that the military is looking for this thing and so like you know it's not just like a random thing that gets said It, it is kind of a weird thing that like a child would be like hey I have this thing, and also it's in the same place that you guys are kind of vaguely thinking about it might be. Yeah. Also, these are like four international criminals that are like super well known, and he described them to them, and he's like, okay, maybe. Anyways, then it just becomes Home Alone for the rest of the movie, where it's just Alex versus these four terrorists who are three men and a woman, and they're all kind of forgettable. One of the men is clearly like the leader of the group, but like all of the other ones are just kind of forgettable. Yeah. They've also at this point been staking out the neighborhood. They like somehow were able to rent a house in the neighborhood to stay in. 
I don't know if it was like an Airbnb or just a short-term rental no, or whatever. I feel like there's a, a mini scene where they like tell the homeowner like, hey, here's some money. Oh, was that was that what it was? I don't it know. seemed like they like rented the house. Yeah, I don't know what. And we're like scoping the neighborhood all the like all Guys, the time. Guys, this movie was forgettable. Yeah. As can be. So like <laughs> you know, just just kind of shake everything off. Yeah. Also they steal a dog and yeah, they, they like, steal one of uh, Kev or Alex's, Alex's like friends' dogs. Yeah, it's which vi- like unnecessary. Well, the reason they do that is so they can pretend to be walking the dog around the neighborhood. But like, it's weird that no one in that neighborhood noticed that it was the same dog. Terrorists are so stupid. Yeah, yeah, I know the names of many of our neighbors' dogs more than I know the names of our neighbors. Right, and we live like in a neighborhood that's mostly apartments. <laughs> You yeah. know? And so, like, if we saw somebody walking somebody else's Emma, dog... If we saw someone walking Emma, we'd be like, who is this person? Right, yeah. <laughs> and, like, and this is, like, the suburbs where there's not that many people. Yeah. So, I don't know. It seems like they should have been able to figure that out pretty quick. Anyway, yeah. So then Alex sets up a bunch of traps in his house, and it's, like, it's just a bunch of slapstick. They all get hit in the face, or hit in the nuts, or fall downstairs or get I hit with paint cans yeah you know i mean it's the it's like the same as the first two except much less deadly like alex is not yeah. an active serial killer in this he's just like a kid setting up traps yeah like kevin McAllister, as we discussed killed daniel cern eight times <laughs> in the second movie he electrocuted him so bad that we saw his skeletons like nothing nothing to that extent happens yeah, here and i will say like joe pesci is missing Daniel Stern is missing. Like, they they had a certain special sauce between them. Yeah. Well, like, the thing is, is with all of these characters. So Alex, the main character, is is cute and he's good. I, I liked him a lot in this. Yeah, I thought he was um, The mom. We'll get to the mom. That's in my notes. Okay. Step off. Okay. <laughs> She's no Catherine O'Hara. We'll say that. <laughs> to wrap this up real quick is that the old lady across the street, her name is Mrs. Hess, by the way, was supposed to check up on him. Instead, she gets tied up by one of the terrorists. They tie her up in the garage, and it's been, like, I don't know, 20 minutes. They make it seem like she's suffering, like, from hypothermia. Even though she's wearing a sweater and a scarf, it's cold, but, like, it's not, like, a blizzard. It's just, I don't know. But anyway, Alex saves her, and then they call the police, and he takes out the remaining bad guys. And all of them get caught. The police, the FBI, the military, everybody shows up, and they're like, Wow, Alex, you did it. What a hero. And it's interesting because in Home Alone 1 and 2, there's never a resolution with the bad guys. His family never finds out that he had to do this stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, like, they never were like, oh, good job protecting the house. In Home Alone 1 and 2, they're just like, oh, Kevin, we found you. (laughs) And in this one, they're like, hey, Alex, you stopped four criminals. Here's $600,000 for doing that. Everybody likes Alex again. And... He still has a chicken pox. The movie wraps up by his dad coming home from his business trip, bringing him the same toy car that he already has. They play it off as like a funny joke, but like his parents saw him with the car. <laughs> his dad just bought him the same toy car again. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Those are, those are, that's what happens in the movie. Can I get to my notes? Cause I've got that. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. I have, I have many notes as well, but okay. go ahead. So first of all, I think that this is a propaganda film by the Republican party. Mm-hmm. It's got all of your favorite Republican talking points. Yes. Terrorism. Sure. White people. <laughs> Is there a singular person of color in this film? One? No. Except for, like, the North Korean like, bad guys, essentially. Right. yeah. Okay? Distrust of foreigners. Sure, yeah. Okay? Pro-military, pro-police. You're gonna tell me I'm wrong? 
I mean, it, it does show the police as being extremely incompetent. Yeah, but also they do save the day at the end. No, then... they don't. They just kind of show up. Anyway, sorry. They, they just kind of show up at the end. They don't save. Alex very clearly saves It is pro-military, pro-police. It is anti the mom working because the whole plot point is that the mom has to leave her child at home while he has his chicken pox because she has to work. Also, he is not vaccinated for chicken pox in the year of our Lord, 1997. I Yeah, I also had this note. Because the thing is, is like his siblings don't have chicken pox. And like there's no reference to them ever like being like, oh, I remember when I had chicken right. pox. So it's like, what happened with Alex? Did he just not get the vaccine? For me, chicken pox was always just something that appeared in media. Because as I've said to many people before, my parents vaccinated me for right. chicken pox. And therefore, I never got it. And like... Okay, this is also a note that I had. It's like, I also grew up in the Chicago suburbs around this time. In this movie, he was eight. Yeah. I was five. And when this movie came out, I'm pretty sure... Sh- and like, they showed his school. He just goes to a, like a public school. I'm 99% sure we had like a vaccine requirement to be vaccinated against chicken pox. Because like, yeah. I don't remember anybody in my schools ever getting chicken pox. Right. So like, what's happening? Because you lived in progressive Illinois. Right. No, but so does he. I wasn't in the same town, but like adjacent towns. Yeah, you know. So like. So I think it's a Republican propaganda film. I think that that's deeply upsetting. I wasn't wrong with it being essentially a pro-incarceration film. I wasn't wrong. Like that is the thing in my predictions that I was kind of right. Because what? It is all military industrial complex like propaganda. Sure. I also had a lot of questions. Okay. I'm going to answer them. And because I had a lot of questions, I found it difficult to watch. Number one, why is the mom so bad at acting? Because (laughs) Because she is not Catherine O'Hara. That is the correct answer. No matter what hairstyle they put on her. Yeah, they do give her the exact same hair, hair color. She's just like flat. Flat as can be. Yeah. Moira Rose would never. No, not at all. The other note that I had was that literally everyone... Cannot act in this film, with the exception of the kid, of Alex, the actor Alex and the character Alex. Mm-hmm. I actually thought he was perfectly delightful. Yeah. He's no Macaulay Culkin. Sure. But he was perfectly delightful. Those are big shoes to fill, and I think he did a pretty good job. Yes. I think he did a pretty good job. On the Culkin scale, he's still like a, I don't like know. Like an eight? Like an eight. Yeah, yeah. like an eight out of cute, cuteness in the Culkin scale. He was super endearing. I just, like, don't care generally about any of these people. The way that I cared about... The McAllisters, there was some level of, I had developed this relationship with them. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into my fun facts why it was that we just completely recast everyone. But it does kind of suck to like go on this journey of doing Home Alone 1 and Home Alone 2 and then getting here and it's a blank, boring, styrofoam type slate. Yeah. As I said, watching this film with you, it is difficult in a post-Deck the Halls 12 Days pod to really think any movie is that bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, this movie's not bad. It's, it's just not like it's just forgettable. Offensive. It's just forgettable. I'm never going to go out of my way to watch this over the other two Home Alones. Right. And the thing is, somehow, especially because we talk about it and we build a podcast around this stuff, when a film is forgettable, that's somehow worse. <laughs> Right. Because <laughs> there's less to talk about. I'm just sort of like, it's fine. I would not recommend. You've probably seen this. Whatever. Right. Here's the thing. And like with Deck the Halls, Deck the Halls is not forgettable. No. I think about Deck the Halls it's, constantly. It's seared into my brain. This one is just, you know, they could have done something different with the setting, the like, the stakes, you know. The genre. Yeah. They could have gone horror movie. I know there's a Home Alone 4. I'm not 
sold that we're gonna watch it. Yeah, we're not sold on that. There is also let us know. We'll think about it. There was also recently in the past couple years a remake of Home Alone. Yeah, which stars like Pete Holmes. Who's Pete Holmes? He's a comedian. Oh, you know who he is. He's kind of like he's he's he does is he so- like a forty year old Pete Davidson. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not like. BDE? Ta- he's not like tatted up or he's he's kind of like a golden retriever. Oh, could still be. Do you BDE. know um never mind. <laughs> oh, the guy from Scrubs is in this. Oh yeah, the janitor from Scrubs and the dad from the middle is is one of the police officers yes. in this. Also, a, he was a policeman in The Fugitive. Oh, cool. <laughs> anyway, do you I have any notes? my wife. <laughs> Do you have any notes? Well, yeah. So, as I mentioned, I was confused about the whole why isn't he vaccinated yeah. because he should be vaccinated against chickenpox. That was just the thing that was around. My annual note of, I love the movie A Cinderella Story. <laughs> Alex's dad in this movie is played by Chad Michael Murray's dad in A Cinderella Story. So, Should our wedding be Cinderella Story themed? I mean, it's a fairy tale. <laughs> why wouldn't it be? Uh, if you're confused, Chad Michael Murray's dad in that movie owns a car wash. <laughs> and If uh, you don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of Sin- Dad's favorite movie, Cinderella, Cinderella Story, Story, then go back and listen to all, all of our seasons because I'll have covered the entirety of the movie at that point. But he's fine in this. He's barely in it. He's probably also been like a decom dad and a bunch of other things. But like yeah. that was the one thing we were like, why do we know who that is? Mm-hmm. And that's where he knows it from. Also, the other thing I want to talk about is Alex is barely home alone in this. Yeah. Like, with with Kevin. Kevin's families are in entire different states or continents in this. Yeah. Alex's siblings are just at school for, like, a few hours during the day. Alex's mom is just working from home sometimes. She has to go into the office a few times. But she's got her phone. She's got her pager. She's got... She also says, it'll be an hour or two. Yeah. He's barely home alone. Like, the window of when he can set up all these traps is very small. Yeah. So it's impressive how many traps he did set up. That's true. But at the same time, there's one point where the mom was like, hey, Alex, coming home early. And Alex goes, no, that's okay. You can stay at work or go pick my siblings up at school. I don't know what their names are. Also, Mrs. Hess from across the street checks in on him a couple times. Right. It is a... A weird contrast of Kevin McAllister's character being home alone or on his own for the entirety of the movie. And, like, he has to go out into the world and, like, steal toothpaste (laughs) or break into the toy store. Or feed himself. Or feed himself. Alex doesn't do any of that. He just... Solves an entire international conflict. It it is just, just as when I go to the store... And you're home alone. <laughs> It'd be like if I came home and you're like, all of a sudden... <laughs> I've set up booby traps all over our one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. Anyway, that's my that's my main note, is that it's weird that he's not vaccinated and he's barely home alone in this. Yeah. Home Alone 3, barely home alone. Barely home alone. Yeah. So, do you have any fun facts or trivia about this movie? I certainly do. I would love to hear them. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Macaulay Culkin just straight up refused to do this film. Oh, why? (laughs) He had just simply grown tired of the role, and he thought that there was nothing else that he could have done with it. That's correct. So he just made an artistic choice as a literal child and was like, no, I'm not doing this. I love that. I love that for him. 
Originally, it had been planned to film Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, and Home Alone 3, Back to Back, but mm-hmm. there was a five-year space between it. Yeah, because this one came out much later. Right. This is my favorite fun fact. A rare positive review came from Chicago film credit Roger Ebert, who is potentially the most famous film critic of all time, rest in peace, mm-hmm. who called it the best of all the Home Alone films. Was he paid off? <laughs> And that it was far better than the first one. Is he is he Alex Lynn's grandfather or something? Did you know that Roger Ebert and Oprah Winfrey dated? No, I didn't. <laughs> That's why. Well, now you know. Wow. <laughs> it's one of those things. Weird. It was also the only Home Alone movie that he liked since he gave the first two negative reviews. Ebert's reviews appear on the front cover of the VHS and DVD releases of the movie because it was one of the few positive reviews i'm sure also he's the the chicago yeah he's like the i mean he's like he was the film critic right so this was the final film of john hughes's five picture contract with 20th century fox to write produce direct after the success of the original home alone he wrote and produced dutch home alone 2 baby's day out and miracle on 34th street the 1994 version and this movie Oh, no, John. Not the 1994 version. A movie we will not be watching on principle. That's a bad movie. This was also delightful. When Macaulay Culkin declined to reprise his role as Kevin for the third outing, John Uh Hughes briefly considered writing the screenplay with Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern reprising their roles as the burglars, Harry and Marv, respectively, who targeted Kevin's cousin, Fuller, Macaulay's real-life brother, Kieran. Wow. Wow. That I mean, would have been something. That would have been good. And Fuller would be the main character with Jerry Bamman and Terry Snell reprising their roles and Fuller's parents, Frank and Leslie, respectively, who go on vacation and leave Fuller home alone to defend himself against Marvin Harry. The idea was scrapped as Pesci and Stern refused to reprise their roles. Smart. And wanted to pursue other projects. And Curian felt he couldn't follow in his brother's footsteps as the lead. Fuller can't drink soda before bed. He'll wet the bed. That's right. Yeah. Hughes then wrote an entirely different screenplay with no characters from the first two films. I get it. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to get the three main ones, it'd be weird to try and, like, loop in others. Yeah. I do like the idea of doing a Home Alone where Buzz is left Home Alone and he just actually kills them. (laughs) Or he gets murdered. Yeah. Buzz isn't that bright. No, that's true. This is the only Home Alone film where Christmas isn't mentioned, which... Brings up the age-old debate, is this a Christmas movie? We have kind of been very loose with it, where it's like, there is winter. And you were right. Mr. Jernigan mentions that it is January 8th, early on. So Christmas has come and gone. Wow. I mean, he does get present. He does get a present. Yeah, but... Yeah, no. I mean, I, I don't particularly think this is a Christmas film. No, there's nothing Christmassy about it. No. But unlike It's a Wonderful Life, whether it's Christmas or not, it's not going to have an impact on how I rate this movie. <laughs> I don't think... It's hurting it or helping it in any other way. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing to... It's just vaguely winter. Yeah. At one stage, the script was considered being filmed as a television pilot, but in the end, the studio decided to go ahead and make it a feature film. Yeah, why would you make a TV show out of this? Scarlett Johansson revealed in a 2021 interview with People Magazine that she introduced the film to her daughter, Rose Dorothy, during... Did she name her children after the Golden Girls? Scarlett... Let's circle back. During a day of watching 90s movies to see if she could recognize then 11-year-old Johansson. Honestly, I thought she was older when she was filming this. 11-year-old Scarlett Johansson does look a lot like 
adult Scarlett. She truly does not age. I think I said she was about 12. I think wow. that was my guess. John Hughes approached Chris Columbus to direct the third installment once again, but guess what? Denied. He declined. This is a movie of John just getting rejected over and over and over again, almost like maybe it shouldn't have been made. Yeah. When Columbus declined, he suggested that it should be directed by a filmmaker making his directorial debut as the original Home Alone was the first film where he received public recognition as a director, Chris Columbus, that is. Hmm. Columbus also didn't feel comfortable working with an entirely new cast, and Hugh then approached Raja Gosnell, who at that point was noteworthy for editing the first two films and was given the job. That's interesting. Has has he directed anything else since then? Yes. In 1999, he directed Never Been Kissed. Okay. In 2000, Big Mama's House. Sure. In 2002, Scooby-Doo. In 2004, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed. Okay, that's a good movie. <laughs> Get out. Scrappy-Doo's in that one. In 2008... That's the one where Scrappy... Wait. 2008, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. A classic. Really a dog arc here for him. <laughs> Seriously. In 2011, The Smurfs. In 2013, Smurfs 2. Okay. In 2018, Show Dogs. Wow. You know, here's the thing, though. I bet all of those films made money. You think so? They're all like kids' movies. I know the scooby doo Yeah, made but money. this is kids' movies at the at the height of, like, of... of Pixar. No, I know. But there's always an audience for those movies. But like, yeah, not quite the break I think Chris Columbus was hoping <laughs> he would be giving giving a new director. It's no Harry Potter. Yeah, that's true. It, it's telling that I've never heard of this director. Ben Stiller was considered for the role of Burton Jernigan, which I guess was one of the villains. And so was David Schwimmer. Okay, there is a character. Juice. There is one of the bad guys that does kind of, that I can picture being Ben Stiller or David Schwimmer. David Schwimmer. Yeah, it was not the lead guy. It was the one that had like the short hair and the crew cut. Yeah, yeah. Who like gets his head run over by a lawnmower? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 A classic slapstick bit. I love that what we reference for David Schwimmer is the Ryan Murphy OJ series, which and, you've now watched. I think we've referenced this in the previous season as well. And not pivot. A lot, of, a lot of good one-liners from David Schwimmer. Juice, Juice and pivot. <laughs> I've seen more of the OJ show than I have of Friends. It's because it's better. Yeah. Well, that's true. And then this is the the last fun fact. Yes. What do we got? Tim Curry, Christopher oh. Lloyd, and Liam Neeson wow. <laughs> walk into a bar. <laughs> no. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Who is the last one? Christopher Lloyd. Ha! <laughs> were considered for the role of Mr. Bupree. Oh, yeah. He was the leader of the of yeah. the, the terrorist group. Curry had previously appeared in Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, famously as the hotel concierge. Yeah, that would have been... That would have been a cool little, like, you know, callback. I think it would have been better if it was his character, though. <laughs> if, if his character that got fired from the hotel became an international terrorist, that's an arc. And those are my fun facts. I love it. I thought it was more interesting than the movie. Yeah. Poor John Hughes. John Left Hughes, and right. John Hughes is fine. <laughs> John Hughes is fully fine. John Hughes is fully dead. Whatever. He was fine. Alrighty, folks. As we do every episode, it's time for our definitive ranking of this movie. As is tradition, we base our rankings around the 12 days of Christmas. So, out of 12 days of Christmas, how many days of Christmas is Home Alone 3 for you, Kara? If you have not listened to the Elmo episode and to the recap of season two, 
Right now I will tell you to do so because in that episode you will learn that I have decided to add a wrinkle to my rankings this year, which is I will not look up what the 12 days of Christmas lyrics are. Can I ask, are you going to still try and get them right though? Or are you just going to... No, I'm trying. Okay. I just, yeah. I want to make sure like... Yeah. Because last time you just did eight, like tw- 11 golden rings. I'm like, you know, golden rings is five. Like that's Never the one... once have I given Elmo 11. No, for our season, our season oh, recap. Oh, yes, 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 yes. No, 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 no. I just want to make sure that that's like what we're working with. This isn't like you're just going to just... You know, you're giving me, you're giving a spoiler here. Because I was going to give this, but that's my drum roll, five golden rings. Wow. I know. Five golden rings. Okay, here's the thing. Okay. I'm not the biggest Home Alone fan. Controversial. I don't like slapstick. I think that the first two thirds of the first two movies are quite delightful, and I enjoy them. I have yet to go back to rewatch the second one, and I think I vaguely put on Home Alone the first Christmas. It was 2020. It was a dark time. I think this is fine. Five golden rings. Five golden rings? Yes. Wow. All right. You heard it. So how about you? Out of 12 days of Christmas, how many days are you giving Home Alone 3? I'm giving it the same number as the number of times that I've watched this movie. Which is three French hens. <laughs> I don't care for this movie. It does nothing for me. It is a nothing film. It does absolutely nothing for me. And like, it it kind of annoys me that they made it like this. You said it yourself. It was the last film in John Hughes's contract. Yeah. And so this was just a, I have to finish it out. Like, they yeah. made a Home Alone 4 that he wasn't even involved in. And so like, John Hughes was clearly phoning it in when he wrote this, you know. And I just... I think he had given up. Because he had been rejected so many times. Yeah, I just, I think, I think this movie, I think Alex is great in this movie and everyone else is just kind of nothing. Yeah. And I don't know. I didn't find the slapstick as funny or as interesting. There's not a singular person of color in this movie. Can yeah. we talk about that? Also, I already not, talked about also, it. Also, I said this wasn't going to affect it, but it's not Christmas. Yeah. It's not Christmas in this movie. It's not Christmas. That's the whole charm of the first it's one. It's not Christmas. Like what's he defending his house for? He's not, not even. Christmas. He's not even defending. He doesn't even know that he's he defending. Doesn't even know it's not Christmas. Yeah, but blah, blah. <laughs> also he's got chicken pox. Whatever. Whatever. This is a three it's a made up disease that shouldn't exist anymore. Well, that's not true. It no, is no, not it's a, a made real up disease, disease that should it should because vaccination. It shouldn't exist anymore. Right. Um. Anyway, so yeah, this I'm giving this three French ends. I don't care for it. Sorry. That's fine. Blessings. I... Blessings to you, Alex. I guess. <laughs> Hope you're well. Alrighty, folks. Thank you so much for listening. We are only 72 days away from Christmas. What? <laughs> when this comes out. No, I know. But still. <laughs> and we hope to spread as much Christmas spirit as possible. So please share this with your friends if they aren't already listening. Join us for our next episode out now as part of our season three kickoff. Meet me in St. Louis. Wow. <laughs> Have you ever been to St. Louis? No. Several of our good friends went to college in St. Louis. We'll, we'll meet them there. We'll meet them there. And as we say every episode, Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas.